baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. Amy Mark scores Brad Young with you on a Friday. I love Fridays and weekends in the holiday season. Absolutely. It's so fun. Everything's fun. I'm do you have fun weekend plans? Yeah, I, we had lots of things planned, and things are kind of... Uh, it, December is so packed. Yeah. And to me, that's another thing that's fun, because there's always stuff to do in December. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's been a fun day. We had Hancock and Kelly in this morning. They join us every Friday, and they, unfortunately, neither of them had seen the movie Young Frankenstein, but Brad Young has, and he saved the day during our conversation it, uh, Young it's, Frankenstein came out 49 years ago today. Wow. It's pronounced Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we also uh, talked with John Hancock and Michael Kelly about the president's statements uh, over the past couple of days. There's been a shift in his tone when discussing the conflict in Israel as in Israel continues to root out Hamas and seeks to destroy the terrorist organization Hamas. Uh, Joe Biden has become a bit more vocal in his caution. He used a phrase that was uh, pretty accusatory and strong in saying indiscriminate, indiscriminate bombing, which uh, carried a lot of weight coming from the president. It did. The United States. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Let's hear that. The United States is the only friend Israel has at the end of the day in the world. Look at the vote in the United Nations to call for a ceasefire that happened this week. And if we if we're not steadfastly supporting this ally, then nobody. Yeah, it the when he said industry okay, from the beginning, the world, the United States including included, had said you need to use surgical precision. Yes. Um, you have a right to defend yourself, but we you have to do so with the highest code of ethics and moral code when it comes to military operations. We all know that IDF generally has, but that, that shift. And by saying indiscriminate bombing, that's not saying don't do that. He is accusing them of having already done that. Correct. Correct. He has. And I also agree with Hancock because Hancock's position was is that this change of tone with President Biden is a political maneuver. And I think it is because in his heart of hearts, and I've agreed with President Biden wholeheartedly by standing up for Israel, 
Uh, but his tone changing, I think, reflects the fact that there's a there's an internal divide in the Democrat Party over Israel and Palestine. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like an effort to placate the further, the, the more anti-Israel, or at least generally further left members of the party, specifically Correct. looking at a Cory Bush or uh, a Rashida Tlaib, who have been vocal from the beginning. And we get press releases from politicians that have been a news organization. We get their statements. We get their press releases. And I feel like every few days you get a press release and a statement from Cori Bush calling for a ceasefire. Yes. And Hamas, there was a ceasefire on October 6th. There Hamas, was a, a lengthy ceasefire. Yes. Yes. Hamas started this war. Hamas is a terrorist organization. And they have promised, they have promised publicly on media on the news to conduct October 7th over and over and over again. Well, in Europe yesterday it was it was reported yesterday that German officials had stopped a Hamas plot for a terrorist attack in Europe yesterday. And and that demonstrates that you know, that Hamas first and foremost is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. And and they need to be stopped and and I applaud Israel for stopping them. Uh, but there are options. It, it, this is interesting that that right now with Israel, just like with the United States, they actually have attorneys in Israel that are overseeing what targets are 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 used, what targets are identified to make sure that it complies with human rights issues, to make sure it complies with the United Nations uh, uh, dictates on this. And so they're doing the right thing, but they do need, and I, I have no problem being using um, pinpoint accurate weapons more than simply dumb bombs. Yeah, and I, we did see a report that according to U.S. intelligence analysis that 50% of the thousands of bombs that have been dropped on Gaza by Israel, according to this analysis, were quote-unquote dumb bombs. My guess is uh, their locations were specific. I don't know how dumb a dumb bomb is. I don't know where most of these dumb bombs were dropped, so I imagine there'll be further investigation into that. But Hamas has, and this was it was put this way by Mati Friedman, who worked at the Associated Press in Israel and at the offices in Gaza for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamas has wired Gaza like a suicide bomber. Where as many civilians as possible can be hurt. He said so much so that the military and the civilian landscape in Gaza are indistinguishable, whether it's hospitals and schools. And so Clarissa Ward, who I love as a reporter on CNN, did an incredible report, finally got into Gaza for the first time since the attacks two months ago. And it was heartbreaking, incomprehensible to see the devastation in Gaza and the children and the women who have been hurt and maimed and lost limbs. One thing I think that was missing from her report, because like you said, we Israel is going to have law, you know has lawyers watching this, uh, all of the munitions that are being used, the strategies being used, and they will be held accountable for however they, the military conducts itself. However, she didn't mention that civilians are being injured because Hamas designed it that yes, way. Hamas it, put civilians exactly. in front of their missiles, in front of their terrorists who are cowards hiding. And by the way, three of the Hamas leaders are worth together $11 billion yes. and they're living in Doha. Mm-hmm. Cutter. Cutter. Yep. In luxury. 
yes. while this is going on and the people that they're supposed to be protecting mm-hmm. are suffering. And it's also been widely reported that even in Gaza, Hamas has enormous stores of food and medical supplies. Why aren't they helping their own people? Because those that food and medical supplies are being used for terrorist activities, not to help the people of Gaza. And let's just call it for what it is. Hamas is using the citizens of Gaza as human shields. Yeah. That's the term. That's exactly what they're doing. And to some extent, when you see the outrage from Cory Bush and others, you can see that this strategy of using civilians as human shields has merit because they are convincing some of those on the progressive left. Yeah, it, it's it's just awful, impossible situation. Uh, we also spoke with Beth Elders, the executive director of the American Red Cross, serving the greater St. Louis area, as well as our very own KMOX reporter, Tiffany Jackson, about the Odyssey Holiday Heroes Blood Drive. This is next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so December 19th through the 22nd, at 22 different locations across the area. You can go to redcrossblood.org and enter Odyssey as the code. And and Tiffany shared her experience with uh, Red Cross and and blood donations because she suffers from sickle cell anemia. Um, I have sickle cell anemia. I was born with it. And it causes excruciating pain, pain that feels like a charley horse with um, a bat. And you take a bat with nails attached to it and you hit the bat against the charley horse Mm. thousands of times. Like it's excruciating pain Mm. and there's no cure for sickle cell. So when I go to the hospital, there's always like the the normal routine is you get pain medication and then... If your pain is not controlled by that medication, it's like, okay, now you have to revert to a blood transfusion. And the blood transfusion makes a complete difference. I describe it as life-saving because it really is the only method of um, healing a pain that is, like, it lasts um, more than pain medication. Pain medication stays for, like, a couple of hours Meanwhile, a blood transfusion really takes over the blood cells that are messed up. And again, to donate blood next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 22 different locations. You can go to redcrossblood.org and enter sponsor code Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And just a few minutes ago, Mike Claiborne himself was in Studio B. He had some thoughts on Jordan Cairo. You know, I know he was emotional. I wish he was that emotional about his own play. I wish he was emotional about the fact that he's partially responsible for a good man losing his job. I wish he was emotional about being more of a leader. You know, they're, they're paying you like one. Yeah, Jordan Cairo was tearing up yesterday when asked about the fans, the sp- splattering of boos when he would get the puck or when his name was announced last night, which is unusual for Blues fans. It is. I just wish they had, he would have had, Jordan would have had as much of an emotional response to the firing of Craig mm-hmm. Berube as he had to to fans booing him. Yep. And a point of parliament, Brad Young, it was Peter O'Toole who was Lawrence of Arabia oh, and Lawrence I, of Arabia. Okay, I stand corrected. I said it was Lawrence Olivier it was not. It's Peter O'Toole. Yeah, it's, it was the Freudian slip of the Lawrence and it the is. Lawrence. It is. Uh, so it is. So thank you to listener Vicky for that. Um, but yeah, Omar Sharif. My mistake. Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, 
like a pretty star-studded lineup, but I've never seen it. I have. So. It's excellent. But again, bring some popcorn. Yeah. And you'll be there a while. It's pretty long. Also, we had our last day of Cardinals tickets, ticket pack giveaway. Congratulations to Tom from Spanish Lake. He won the St. Louis-themed package for the Cardinals tickets, so a lot of fun. I believe it's a five-game package. Okay, Brad Young, I'm so glad we have your legal expertise here. This story was in the New York Times. There were two men who robbed a store, and let me pull this up here. It was in Colorado, and they were they stole shoes, KitchenAid mixers, and other items from a Kohl's, a yes. Kohl's department store. The thing is, the items they stole were on sale. This matters because in Colorado, theft under $2,000 is a misdemeanor, punishable by up to a year in jail, but theft between $2,000 and $5,000 is a felony, punishable by up to 18 months in jail, and the district's attorney's office argued that the documented value of the stolen items was $2,000, or excuse me, $2,094.98, whereas the defense said, well, actually they were on sale, so the items were worth less than $2,000. I could, <laughs> I, I could argue, I could truly argue both sides of this, okay? And let me, let me lay out the okay. arguments, because in any situation, like let's take it out of the criminal law context. In a civil law, if you have a property damage case, your car is worth the, the, the fair market value. And that fair market value is, is based upon what people are charging. Mm -hmm. So if it's on sale, the fair market value would reflect a lower amount. And so, yes, the thieves under that argument would get the benefit of the doubt because that's the fair market value. That's what's being charged. The flip side, and I can argue this side equally well, mm -hmm. would be that the sale price is is not the actual price, but it's a lower price for people who wish to buy the product right now. And so that's not the value for the stealing value. That's the value for right now. So um, at the end of the day, uh, I would always want the charge to be higher uh, as a way to disincentivize retail theft. Yeah, it's just crazy. It was something I had never thought about, and it's hilarious, I guess. I mean, as much as crime can be hilarious, <laughs> it's funny that, that <laughs> the, the value was just over $2,000, but if you count the incredible discounted prices at Kohl's department stores, uh, the value fell to about $1,800. Now, the jury agreed that the sale price doesn't count because, and this was their argument, the sale is for paying customers. Correct. So the benefit of paying is that you get it on sale. If you choose to steal the item, it's no longer on sale. I think that's the best outcome. That is the best outcome. I think it's beautiful. It's a hilarious uh, argument and an important one. Yes. <laughs> He's Brad Young. I'm Amy. Mark scores. Uh, next, there was uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to take on a case regarding the um, abortion pill, and there could be some uh, consequences of the decision that they make. Brad Young will discuss that next right here on the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Amy Mark scores Brad Young. And Brad, ever since the overturning of Roe in the Dobbs case. It there's been a lot of confusion about abortion, birth control, what's yes. going on in the states. I do feel uh Republicans were a little bit like 
the dog that finally caught the car. <laughs> because for yes. years, their whole platform has been overturn road, overturn row. Let's get the judges to overturn row. And then they did it, and it seemed like, well, uh, we weren't actually expecting that. So the truth is we overall have a pro-choice society, varying degrees of pro-choice, but yes. a pro-choice society. And you're having states look at legislation regarding abortion, which is initially what everyone want, uh, Republicans wanted, was to send it back to the states. But it's not been as simple or smooth as I think anyone imagined. Now there's a new case with abor- the abortion pill that the Supreme Court is looking at. Yes. What are we looking at with that case? Well, first of all, we I, I need to make sure that we set the parameters of what the court will and won't do, and then we okay. can talk about the merits of the case. This is not a question of whether mifeprestone will or will not be available. That okay. is not before the court in any way. What's available, what is up in front of the court is is a very narrow issue on three fronts. First of all, whether uh, myth, myth, whether doctors rather can prescribe this drug virtually, for example, via telemedicine, uh, can it be prescribed by people who call in to centers, uh, much like we see other prescription medications that that do this? Whether it can be prescribed in that manner. Secondly, whether this can be shipped by mail. Now, this has an enormous consequence because if you're in a, a, a state like Missouri, which prohibits abortions, can you order it from a clearinghouse and still get the abortion pill shipped into a state that bans abortion? So that's the other question. And the third question is, is how long can this be prescribed? Uh, the recommendation for this drug is it can only be used for the first seven weeks of pregnancy, but there's a question about whether it can be extended to 10. So those are the only three issues, and they all revolve around interpretations of FDA regulations. So it's not a question of, is abortion legal or not? Should the abortion pill be used or not? That big overarching issue isn't going to be before the court. It's this narrow issues that I've outlined. And so folks need to understand that because you're not really hearing that from the mainstream Mm -hmm. media. What you're hearing is the Supreme Court's going to decide on the legality of the abortion pill. And that's not true. Even no matter what happens to the Supreme Court, one way or the other, the abortion pill will still be available in this country. The question is, how will it be available? Okay, a couple of questions on that. You said it has been approved for up to seven weeks with the question of 10 weeks. Is it the FDA questioning the 10 weeks? Is that what has to be decided? Exactly. And the the issue in the lower court and was decided in the lower court that the FDA did not follow the proper procedures to extend. Because anytime you you change Mm -hmm. regulatory procedures, there is a method and a manner prescribed by law on how those changes have to be made. The, uh, the the people who are challenging this, which is an organization, and I, I failed to mention, that's the other question that's going to be before the Supreme Court, whether the plaintiffs even have standing. Mm-hmm. Standing, as you well know, is the legal issue saying that I have a pony in this race. So courts will never make what's called advisory opinions. You have to have a stake in the case. And there's a question here about whether the plaintiffs who are challenging these regulations uh, have an actual uh, interest, a vested stake in the outcome of this case. So the court will also decide the standing issue. So right now, regardless of the court's decision, if you're in, in a state that allows abortion, even restricted, but allows it, and 
your doctor is in state and prescribes through telehealth the methoprestone, will that still be allowed? Is it really only cross-state that's at issue? That's the only issue. Whether it can be prescribed virtually, that is an issue. So a person okay. in, a, in a state that allows abortion, say, for example, Illinois, the question, is, regardless of what the court decides, even if the court strikes everything down, people in Illinois would still be able to go to their doctor, get a prescription, and get the medication. So the question isn't about the availability of the drug. Mm -hmm. The question is the uh, how that drug is prescribed and transferred, not whether it will or will not be available. Gotcha. No, that makes sense, whether or not it can cross states and whether or not you can get it through a telehealth visit. Exactly. He is Brad Young of Harris Dow Fisher & Young with his legal expert. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Well, it is the holiday season, and Odyssey St. Louis is once again proud to partner with the generous community supporters to raise funds through the Tree of Hope SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. And with the whole Tree of Hope campaign, there are multiple ways you can support Cardinal Glennon. Treeofhope.org. You can make a donation. Also, if you like trivia, the inaugural Give Back Trivia Night will take place on January 5th at the Moolah Shrine Center. You can get a table for 10 people for just $200, so 20 bucks a pop, and a significant portion of all the proceeds will go to the SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital Tree of Hope campaign. So you can reserve your tables now at kmox.com slash events, kmox.com slash events, and you can get a table, again, $200 for a table of 10, the inaugural Give Back Trivia Night. It's going to benefit Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital Tree of Hope campaign. And as I mentioned, we have partnered once again with Cardinal Glennon um, to help raise money for this campaign. They do so much incredible work in the St. Louis area. I think most of us know someone, either have had a child or a family member that was a patient at Cardinal Glennon or know someone who was a patient at Cardinal Glennon. And uh, earlier, I was able to talk with Michelle Romano. She is the chief operating and chief nursing officer at Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. And she sat down with me for a discussion about what an incredible uh, hospital Cardinal Glennon is. Uh, how long have you been with Cardinal Glennon? I have been at Cardinal Glennon just about 12 years um, in various leadership roles. But a uh, little fun note, I have started my nursing career in the pediatric ICU um, straight out of college um, here at Cardinal Glennon. Mm. So I'm, I've been here for quite some time. Well, and I have had... Well, we all know people who have had children who are sick, who have spent time in the ICU, but especially that 
the NICU and the PICU, just how intense that is for families. And everyone who works in a hospital is special, but it's a special kind of special when you're working with kids. And I imagine that was jumping right into it for you right out of nursing school. Correct. It was a passion of mine from the beginning. I knew I wanted pediatrics, and then I fell in love with the ICU within nursing school, and everything just stemmed from there. Love being able to help our our patients, our families, and um, help them on the journey for recovery. When you are working in the ICU with children and their families, I imagine it's a level of involvement with all of the families that is unique to that specific field, even different than working with adults in the ICU. Correct. Um, Unlike the adult population, you do have to care for the entire family. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes Cardinal Glennon so special is the care that we provide not only to our patients, but to our families. It's top-notch care with consideration for the entire family every day and how we can make the hospital stay um, better for them. What would you want people to know about the well, let's start with the kids at Cardinal Glennon because it does, it can feel foreign um, to imagine what it's like to have a very, very sick child. Um, what would you want people to know about all of the, the kids who are also patients there? That they always have a smile on their face. Um, the kids are make, or what makes our job easier um, by being able to provide them with the care that they need to be able to get back to the normal activities. Um, No one wants to be in the hospital, um, but if if they have to be in the hospital, we we want to make sure that it feels less like a hospital and more like home. And so working with the kids on, on a daily basis helps us as well as them. Yeah, and I know one of my friends is... A, well, for a long time, he was a nurse in the pediatric oncology unit, and he would talk about working with the kids, and, and sometimes maybe if he was having a bad day, he goes, you go in to work, and you see these kids who are battling illnesses, but they're smiling, like you said, and they're trying to have fun, and they're still living out their childhoods, and he's like, how could you have a bad day when you have so many brave kids living their lives in difficult situations? That is 100% correct. Um, no matter what type of day an employee is having, a family is having, just being, seeing those smiles and seeing the kids who, you know, are here, they brighten your day. It's whether they're doing normal kid activities of, of riding, you know, a, a big wheel down the hallway or it's seeing them being able to visit with their one of their favorite sports Um, idols. It's working through just the daily school activities to to keep them up to speed. Um, It's all those tiny pieces that just add up. How do you guys, as a staff, try to help kids keep their childhood and stay kids uh, even when they're receiving treatment or spending time in the hospital? We have multiple ways that we can help um, maintain that childhood for the kids. So our child life program is a talented team of individuals who 
really work with the developmental, um, the emotional, the educational needs of the patients and family. They provide support services and play therapy with their kids. Um, so taking the childhood piece and, and making sure that that's incorporated in their daily lives. Um, another key component is our Shining uh, Shining Star Schools program. We are able to provide resources to our patients to be able to continue with their schoolwork. We know that when they don't feel well and they're pulled into the hospital, that they could potentially fall behind on, on schoolwork. And our um, inpatient uh, school teachers help lessen that burden and help them be able to keep up on their schoolwork. And the families as well, uh Again, spending time in the hospital is is something that nobody wants to do, but I imagine you also end up being a counselor or a therapist in a lot of ways uh, for the parents and making sure that they're eating, they're sleeping, so that they can be healthy for their own kids. Agree. It's not only taking care of the patient, it's taking care of the family as a whole, and the guardians have to be able to take care of themselves so they can care for their child. Um, I know from personal experience, um, I am a, um, my, my child is a patient of Cardinal Glennon as well. And so you, we, we have to focus on the family unit as a whole and even including siblings, parents, grandparents, extended family. Oh, I, I did not know that as, and you can share, not share as much as you want. Um, how long has your child been a patient at Cardinal Glennon? 16 years. Oh, my goodness. So it really yes. has become a family for you. Yes, it has. So not only when I had started my career here, but um, knew that this was going to be my hospital if ever was needed for mm. one of my children. And, and so 16 years ago, they saved my daughter's life, and we are eternally grateful. And I, that's why I came back to Cardinal Glennon, wanted to give back to them what they gave to me. Hmm. That I can't think of higher praise and trust for Cardinal Glennon than, like you said, knowing this is where I would take my own child, this is where you work, um, and just a platform that you have to, to be able to understand what the families are going through and to be able to speak to them on that level at that time that can be really sensitive. Yes. Um, it, it, one cannot understand until you are walking in the shoes of the parents and to be able to help them with their journey and understand um, is key for the care that we provide. Mm -hmm. Can I ask how, how your child is doing? Oh, doing well, doing well. Um, so thriving every day. Yeah. And, and we have Cardinal Glennon to thank for that. Mm, that's incredible. What do you want people to know about Cardinal Glennon that, you know, working there, having a child who is a patient there, being on both sides of it? What would you want people to know about Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital? The one thing I believe... I would want individuals to know is that Cardinal Glennon, while providing the best care for the patients, also does consider in the family pieces that we have, you know, state-of-the-art 
equipment um, to make sure that our patients get the best care. Uh, we have we offer the latest clinical trials and, and treatments that would otherwise be unavailable in St. Louis. Um, so just that um, we, you know, we can truly provide the care necessary to help the patients get back to the normal in everyday life. Michelle Romano, the Chief Operating and Chief Nursing Officer for SSM Health Cardinal Glenn and Children's Hospital. Thank you so much time for, um, or so much for your time this morning. Um, we wish all the best for your daughter and thank you for everything that you're doing at Cardinal Glennon. Thank you. And again, if you would like to join us at Odyssey and KMOX in supporting Cardinal Glennon, you can give at treeofhope.org. We have talked about a lot on today's show, the Friday edition of the Chris and Amy show, but no topic is nearer and dearer to Brad Young's heart. To his, ah, what his, a setup. his little legal heart. Nothing is nearer and dearer than the story of the woman at Chipotle who threw a bowl of food at a worker and was sentenced to time behind the counter. Yeah. And, and the reason why I love this, and let me set up the story in case everyone <laughs> hasn't heard it, but this occurred in Parma, Ohio. And what happened was the lady was at Chipotle and she was given a bowl of something and there was something not right about it. And thankfully, there was video of this. And when she got her bowl that was incorrect, she's yelling and screaming at the Chipotle worker. And then she throws the bowl at the worker. Mm. This worker who's probably making minimum wage, who might be working three jobs, and something wasn't right. And so she throws the bowl of food at the worker. So she's charged with assault. That's what that is. So uh, the reason why I love this story is because the judge and so often today because of the restrictions that we have on judges mm-hmm. and what they can or can't do, we, we've, we often lose this idea of a wise judge because they're governed so strictly about what they can and cannot do. But this judge as, who sentenced this woman, the defendant, to six months in prison, six months in jail, not really prison, but in jail, or... She could get a reduced sentence uh, of a short period in in jail, but also to work 60 days in a fast food restaurant. And to me, that is that's the quintessential wisdom that Mm -hmm. we used to associate with judges, because really what you're telling this woman is the only way that you're really going to learn from your mistake is to walk a mile in the shoes of the person you harmed. And so she'll be working, um, and and there's some restrictions on how that's going to be set up and a time frame. But to me, uh, it, it, it just... It harkens back to an age when we saw judges as being wise instead of just being legal mediators. That's a really good point that I, I hadn't thought of. I hadn't thought that deeply into because usually you know what the sentence, what the sentence options are for certain crimes. If you commit yes. this crime, it falls under these parameters. You have A, B, C, and D, with A being the heaviest sentence and D being the lightest sentence and the judge picks like circles a box. I know it's not exactly like that, but kind of, uh, I don't really think of judges having a, having the discretion and the purview to be able to 
make up a sentence. When can can you do this really when the crime is like not a violent crime? Of, I mean, I guess assault technically it is. is. What, but- the, what allowed the judge to do this was two factors. First, it was in state court, not federal court. Federal court, the judges are highly regulated with what they can and cannot do. So it's in state court. Secondly, we're talking about a misdemeanor, not a felony. And so then there's more leeway for the judge to be to do this creative judging here uh, because because of those two factors. But the bottom line under other under either scenario here, Amy, the this this now convict uh, is going to serve some time in jail. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe it's so much more creative not just to have her cool in her heels in the gray bar motel, which doesn't really teach her that much. But to have her walk in the shoes of the person that she harmed, she's going to maybe she's never and I suspect she's never worked in fast food before or she wouldn't have reacted the way that she did. But if you've ever watched these fast food workers, they work hard. There's uh, there's demands on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for, so she'll get to see what it's like to do that. And I, I can almost promise you, I don't even know this woman, but going through that experience to me, would probably teach her far more of a lesson about the dignity of others and helping others and not harming other people. All of those lessons will be learned far more than just getting, you know, three squares a day at, at the local prison. Yeah, it's interesting because we've I've had this discussion with a lot of people. I know Chris Ranji worked at a restaurant. I worked in retail, but it was a, a running store where you sat on the floor and you took people's shoes off and you put their shoes on, mm-hmm. you know, um, so up close and personal with a lot of feet. Uh, and so this you know, service industry and it, everyone I know who, who has been in the service industry said everyone should spend time in the service industry to know what that's like. Cause there are so many people who, who treat workers poorly. Uh, my friend who, well, like in countries like Israel where, Military service is mandatory. I think it's minimum two years for girls after high school, three years for boys after high school. And I was talking with some high school boys about this, um, including uh, Aaron Jar, uh, Mason Jar's son. And Aaron Jar is like, well, I think, don't you think military, mandatory military service is, do you think it's good? And he was asking a lot of us about that. He's Interesting. Like, I, I think it teaches a lot of lessons. I'm like, it does. I'm like, I think I would be terrible. Like, people wouldn't want me in the military. <laughs> I'm like Private Benjamin. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> sure, I am. Like, where's my cute little outfit? <laughs> well, I, but, I, would, I, would, I would be in jail. I would be more like Stripes, you know, in, with Bill stripes. Murray and Stripes. That, <laughs> yes. I, 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 would be, I would be in prison very quickly. Yeah. But what do you think of mandatory service in industry time where we everybody in like your senior year of high school yeah you have to do it one semester of like serving at a restaurant or fast food yeah it would it would solve a lot of the employment problems that that these restaurants have you know i i live in chesterfield and we had a taco bell in chesterfield that i that i went to a lot Mm -hmm. and uh and they had to close because they couldn't get workers and, really? Yeah, it wasn't a lack of business. It was a lack of workers. They couldn't get enough people who would work at this Chesterfield Taco Bell, so they closed. And now it's torn down, and now it's a Starbucks. They just opened up uh, a week ago or two weeks ago as a Starbucks. Why did I think that Taco Bell burned down? No. No. Wow. That might be some fake news I've spread. <laughs> Not, not I, that I know. I of. think I've told some friends that. Oh yeah, that Taco Bell burned down. I, I, I don't. Think I think that there it... was a Taco Bell that caught on fire. Oh, I'm sure there was. But, but I, I just know from in there. Yeah. I had even talked to the manager. 
before they closed. And he said, we have a terrible time getting employees. Mm. So there may have been a fire there, but it did not burn. It did not burn down. So are you in favor of more leniency for judges in their sentencing? When it, when it meets a criteria of lesser crimes, I am. The problem is when you get to more stringent crimes, if you allow that kind of leniency, then you might have judges saying, um, uh, be, even though this is a serious crime, I'm going to sentence you to sell flowers in the street corner for two weeks instead of going to prison, then it would become problematic. But yeah. for this, it was perfect. He is Brad Young of Hairstyle Fisher & Young. I think we'll be together sometime next week as Absolutely. well. Yep. The Dave Glover Show, they're at Hardee's. They've got their Operation Food Bank Drive going on. They're at the Hardee's in St. Peter's. I know they would love for you to stop by. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.